Americans are some of the hardest working people on the planet. Compared to other countries, we barely get any time off. The typical American worker gets 11 days off per year. And a lot of those workers, while they're off, they're getting emailed <laughs> from the office and being called to come in and work another shift, that kind of thing. Um, compare this to a man who certainly does not deserve a vacation. <laughs> this is Joe Biden right now. He's at the beach right now, this week. Uh, 88 days of vacation so far. There's Joe and Jill is there reading her book. Uh, last year, in 2022, basically took half the year off, 146 days on vacation. I remember quite vividly this guy telling me and you and all of us how hard he was going to work on all kinds of things. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make progress on the matters that matter most. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I won't let you down. But I'll always keep fighting for you. You know, your president wants go for it. Just milk it for all it's worth. Don't you want to be out there doing stuff, helping people? Not really. <laughs> you know, you compare this to what President Trump is doing right now. What a contrast. That's President Trump Saturday in Erie, Pennsylvania. I know there are people out there, well, didn't he golf a lot when he was president? Look, he owns the golf club. He builds golf clubs. That's his, that's his job. That's his work. He wasn't relaxing. He also brought, you know, world leaders out there. He was doing business on the golf course. I heard about that being done. I'm not a golf player myself. I kind of wish I was because a lot of deals get made out there. Anyway, the fake news loves to talk about Trump, but they don't like to show you Trump. We showed this rally. We took it live here on Newsmax on Saturday. And if you missed it, here are some highlights. The radical lunatic Democrats, they impeach me, they indict me, they rig our elections. And the Republicans just don't fight the way they're good people, but they don't fight the way they're supposed to fight. The others are dirty, sick players, and the Republicans are very high class. They've got to be a little bit lower class, I suspect. They sit back and they say, they have other priorities. We have to look at other things. Any Republican that doesn't act on Democrat fraud should be immediately primaried and get out, out. This totally infuriated the left. And a few rhinos out there, they were so spooked. How could he say such a thing? What's the problem? Keep going. When we win the election, a little more than a year from now, I will appoint a real special prosecutor to expose the monumental corruption of the Biden crime family once and for all. And that's totally within his power. It's actually totally appropriate. It should be political. Career prosecutors who are not accountable to the people, 
we elect him. He's accountable to us. He makes these decisions. It's much better that way, much more democratic. Next. One of these guys, Coke. You ever hear of Coke? So Coke, he says, a couple of months ago, I said, I had the best four years I've ever had during the Trump administration. Uh, yeah, I believe I'll be uh, supporting DeSantis. I said, what the hell is that all about? The guy admits, maybe that's called inheritance. The guy admits he's had the best four years he's ever had. He's got to support. But so now they're all calling me, and they go like this. Ring, ring, so-and-so's on the phone. Oh, hello. Uh, President, I was just calling to say hello. I said, you mean you're just calling to say that you've been looking at the recent poll numbers? That's real. They're not stupid. They see what's happening. So he's lost all of I think he's. I think he's lost every high roller. And they say, what's his problem? I say, he's got no personality. I could have told you that a long time ago. A politician needs a little personality. Oh, he's talking about DeSantis. Well, you know, you watch these things in full, you'll know more than most people in the fake news. They actually don't watch them. They don't want you to see them. And you can find them kind of hard, actually, but they're out there and you should watch. This stuff, it's a political masterclass, actually. And he says, what do they like to say? The quiet part out loud, and it infuriates them. A little bit more. But now the Biden administration is trying to make it illegal to even question the results or the outcome of an election. If you question the rigged election, you're a conspiracy theorist. They don't want to talk about it because they cheated like nobody's ever cheated. But only a party that cheats in elections would try to make it illegal to question them. They don't want them questioned. Isn't that interesting? You know, like they really get upset if you raise questions about the fairness of the 2020 election to the point that it's suspicious. The polls, by the way, he's right. I mean, look at this. He's it's almost a 40 point lead. He basically has it locked up. Next, please. China is building military places and forts and everything, installations. They're building military in Cuba, 71 miles off our coast. And the fake news doesn't even talk about it. When I heard this, when I heard this, and for Cuban Americans, with that happening, you can forget about ever going back to Cuba. China's taking over Cuba. And Biden doesn't do anything. The reason he doesn't, because he's compromised. He's taken in so much money from China that he's afraid because they know how much money they've given, and he can't have them reveal that to the courts and to Congress and to Jim Jordan and Jamie Comer. He can't have them reveal. So he's sitting there. He's a totally compromised president. He's, he is a Manchurian candidate, okay? That's totally logical. Makes perfect sense. It explains a lot. Now, that speech, big, long, fat, lots of news in it. They don't show it to you. They don't show it to you on the main networks, uh, but they do talk about it. They tell you what they think of the speech, but they don't show you the speech. On Meet the Press, 69 mentions of Donald Trump, 35 of Biden. It seems like Trump is actually the president. On another Sunday show, let's see, uh, this week with uh, whoever it is, George Stephanopoulos, look at that, 49 to 10. Uh, what's the other show? Face the Nation, Deface the Nation, sometimes called. 38 mentions of Trump, 12 
of Biden. And back to meet the press. This is very typical. The first guest, well, the first, the host is a Trump hater. I mean, completely. Then guest number one, this uh, former general counsel at the FBI, total Trump hater. Uh, guest number two, who was it? Yeah, Coons, Chris Coons hates Trump. And then they bring on a Republican. Yeah, him. <laughs> Heard the congressman who's running for president against him as a as a never Trumper. And then they bring in a panel <laughs> of four people. They all hate Trump, even the guy who's allegedly conservative. Uh, let's go back, though, to how about this? The Delaware Democrat Senator Chris Coons, like he's going to be objective about Joe Biden's problems. There's been a five-year investigation, five years, by a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney. Um, this investigation started during the Trump administration, and they've come forward with not one shred of evidence um, tying President Biden to any of this. Not one shred of evidence. Uh, the texts, the emails, the WhatsApp messages, the photos of Joe with Hunter's business partners, the voicemails to his son, the two business partners saying Joe is the brand, the big guy, and the chairman, the two whistleblowers, the recorded phone calls, Biden, Borshenko, video of Joe Biden bragging about firing the prosecutor, and Hunter's statements that he's giving his dad half his income. No evidence. This is, a, this is brilliant, by the way. Uh, Bongino today on Twitter. Next, please. Frankly, as you referenced, yeah. Jared Kushner wasn't just yeah. a private citizen. He worked in the White House and engaged in economic. No, if you're outraged about Hunter Biden, you should yeah. be outraged about Jared Kushner. To me, it's not like you, know, you could, right. you know, it's hard to can't pick and choose. You can't pick and choose. The, the nerve of these guys. Jared Kushner is an honorable man with skill. All right. An international businessman before he even met Donald Trump, before he met his daughter. Take a look at what this guy was doing in college. He was buying buildings and flipping them. I, I don't know how to do that now. He was doing it when he was 19. OK, you buy a building, you flip it. He made two million dollars. A few years after that, he buys himself a what? A newspaper. He buys the New York Observer for $10 million. Uh, he gets some more money together. And what does he do? In 2007, he buys a nearly $2 billion office building. That is pretty impressive. Hunter can't do any of that. Hunter can only be a Biden. That's it. That's all he brings to the table. Uh, two years later, he marries Ivanka Trump. And Donald Trump becomes his father-in-law, 2009, seven years before he starts running for president. It is such an unfair comparison. Jared Kushner and Hunter Biden, you should be equally outraged. Sorry, one is a serious substance abuse problems. The other one is a, a fine citizen, okay? He's an upstanding man, and he knows business apart from his father-in-law. Now we uh, have to talk about oh, Devin Archer. You heard about Devin Archer. Now, that's a, a business partner of Hunter Biden's. At one point, they were best friends. Not anymore. He was on the board of Burisma. He started Rosemont Seneca with him. Um, his name is Devin Archer. Sounds like he's an international man of mystery, but he's really from Long Island, New York. And he knows a lot. And he can confirm what Tony Bobolinsky told us uh, a couple of years ago. I've heard Joe Biden say that he's never discussed business with Hunter. That is false. I have firsthand knowledge about this because I directly dealt with the Biden family, including Joe Biden. 
Wow. And somebody else who might be able to back that up maybe did today, Devin Archer. He was Hunter's business partner. This guy, the one on the right, the blue tie. He was on the Burisma board. He started Rosemont Seneca with Hunter Biden. He knows a lot. And he told the House Oversight Committee that on at least 20 occasions, Joe Biden, uh, well, they called Joe Biden from various meetings and dinners and when they were in front of these business associates, international businessmen, oligarchs. Hey, watch this, everybody. I'm going to call my dad the vice president of the United States. Apparently that happened about 20 times. Uh, what's the explanation? Um, there's no explanation that's good, really. They try to spin it, but they know they can't. Now, this is Congressman Goldman. Remember him from one of the impeachments? He was the uh, counselor. Now he's a congressman, and he loves to get on TV before he's had a time to really absorb the information and think about it, and that was kind of obvious today. The witness, Mr. Archer, was very clear that Hunter spoke to his father every day. Um, that and he indicated that he approximated about 20 times over the course of his 10-year business relationship that he had with Mr. Biden, which would be with Hunter Biden, which would be about twice a year, that uh, Hunter would put his father on speakerphone with um, uh, with whomever was at dinner, and he there was no indication that he had any idea who was at dinner. With them, it was just a say hello. I'm at dinner here, and there was nothing related to his business dealings. Hello, I'm at dinner here with various people from uh, Ukraine and Romania, and uh, you're the vice president of the United States. This is totally normal. It's not, obviously. Contradict the president's statement saying that he never talked to any of Hunter Biden business associates. Clearly, he talked whether about the weather or whatever, but he said specifically that he's never talked to them. Doesn't this contradict him? I don't know what his comment is, and if we're gonna, well, I don't, I don't think that's what he said. He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. He said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with, is he supposed to say, hi, son, oh, no, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone? It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son are at dinner with, the son is at dinner with, and that is literally all the evidence is. Preposterous. The whole notion of calling the vice president during a dinner and putting him on speakerphone in front of your oligarch friends from crazy countries, that's kind of preposterous right there. That is. Um, and also, don't talk to us like we're idiots, okay? The vice president, Joe Biden, the president, went around for years saying, I never talked to my son about business dealings, right? We all saw that a million times. Next, please. Confirm, you're saying that the speakerphone conversations, they don't seem concerning to you because there is no specifics about business and it just seemed like it was clear about. that it was clear that it was as part of the daily conversations that Hunter Biden had with his father. Um, and it was and and sounds like most of the time uh, now President Biden didn't even know who the people he was at dinner. He was just asked to say hello. Uh, and he would, you know, talk about the, the way he described it several times. They asked over and over and over. He described what the weather was, how, uh, how, what's going on on your end. He, the, the witness was very, very consistent that none of those conversations ever had to do with any 
business dealings or transactions. They were purely what he called casual conversations. Does this guy look casual? Does this guy look like he wants to do small talk about the weather? This is Lochevsky. He was had one of those phone calls, at least two of them, actually, where uh, the vice president was on the phone. This guy wanted the special prosecutor looking into Burisma fired. His name was Shokin, and he was fired. It wasn't the substance of the phone call. It was just pleasantries. Yes, we understand that. The message was, Hunter, I can get my guy on the phone, the vice president. You guys pay me. We'll take care of what you want taken care of. And that's how it worked. They actually got what they wanted. Burisma did. Shokin was fired. Guy who can substantiate this, who was actually in the room today with Devin Archer, is James Comer, chair of the Oversight Committee. He joins us next. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. Well, thanks to the House Oversight Committee, we know a lot of stuff about the Bidens and the money. Three million at least from China to various Biden family members and associates, 17 million from Ukraine, from Romania. Did you know about Romania? Uh, at least 1 million uh, from various oligarchs, government officials to Biden family members and associates. It is so strange. Devin Archer was the star witness, albeit behind closed doors today before the House Oversight Committee. He's the former best friend of Hunter Biden, and they were partners. He was actually on the Burisma board. And from him, we had to confirm today that Hunter called his dad at least 20 times in front of various people they were doing business with overseas. Why? Why would he do such a thing in the middle of dinner? I'm going to call my dad, the vice president. Ready, fellas? Uh, Congressman James Comer, the chair of the House Oversight Committee. Welcome back, <laughs> sir. Why would he have done such a thing? You actually met him. What did you think of Devin Archer? Well, I think that uh, he was under a lot of pressure today. Uh, we know that uh, the Biden attorneys have threatened him and intimidated him. We know the Department of Justice sent him two letters over the weekend, which is unheard of. But despite that, I think he answered a lot of questions that needed to be answered, specifically that Joe Biden did, in fact, talk to numerous people that his son was receiving wires from while Joe Biden was vice president. And that is something that Joe Biden has consistently lied about. That's what the Democrats have consistently taken Joe Biden's position, saying he never spoke with anyone Hunter Biden was doing business with. But yet we learned today that over 20 times, in fact, Joe Biden, while he was vice president, spoke with people who were sending the Biden family members these suspicious wires that the banks nor anyone else in America know what the purpose of the wires were for. And the nature of the, uh, well, here's what Congressman Goldman, and he's all hapless and nervous. A lot of people notice that. He, he was in the room, too. He's how he, how he characterized what Archer said about what the vice president said. The witness, Mr. Archer, was very clear that Hunter spoke to his father every day. Um, that, and he indicated that he approximated about 20 times over the course of his 10-year business relationship that he had with Mr. Biden, which would be, with Hunter Biden, which would be about twice a year, 
that uh, Hunter would put his father on speakerphone with um, uh, with whomever was at dinner, and he there was no indication that he had any idea who was at dinner with them. It was just a say hello, I'm at dinner here, and there was nothing related to his business dealings. Hello, I'm at dinner here with a bunch of people who are paying me money. Vice President Biden, my father. Uh, it's obvious that this was no good. Yeah. What middle-aged man calls his dad every day and puts him on speakerphone so his business associates can hear him talk? I mean, another thing that Devin Archer testified today was the Biden family, in fact, was influence peddling. Uh, we know that Devin Archer has violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act. That's a very serious law. But when you think about what Archer testified today, my question is now, did Joe Biden commit the Foreign Agents Registration Act? Because his family was receiving millions and millions of dollars from these foreign nationals. None of these people that he put his dad on the business phone with are reputable business people. They all are under some type of investigation or on the flea in the countries where they originate from. The people that... that Hunter Biden was putting on speakerphone with his sitting vice president father were some of the worst people on the planet. But yet they were paying the Biden family millions and millions of dollars. And Goldman thinks that every American is going to believe the fact that, oh, well, they just talked about the weather. How's the weather in Russia? How's the weather in Ukraine or China? I mean, that's ridiculous. So that is ridiculous. Every day we get more and more evidence that points to Joe Biden directly. All roads lead to Joe Biden. And today we've, we learned without a shadow of a doubt that Joe Biden has been lying to the American people when he said he never spoke with anyone his son was receiving money from. And he said that hundreds of times. So what do you think was going on here? I mean, yes. it seems obvious, but let's just say it out loud. Hunter was showing his business associates, the people he was doing business with, look, who I can get on the phone that easily. Right. What do you guys want done? All yeah. right, I'm going to go back and get it done with him uh, when you're not around, but I just proved to you I can get him on the phone. Joe Biden on purpose didn't say anything substantive, substantively. The whole message was, look how close I am to my father. Right, and they go to great lengths to protect their father, a term that Joe Biden's brother, who we've never started with yet, but he's just as bad as the president's son. He just didn't leave a laptop laying around. They, he brags about the term plausible deniability, and they laugh about it when he talks to people like, yeah, my brother's involved, but plausible deniability, ha, 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 ha. I mean, this is a trend that the Biden family has used. And one last thing that was said in this testimony today, Devin Archer testified that the owners of Burisma were pressuring Hunter to call Washington to get Shokin, the Ukrainian prosecutor, fired. And we know because we've seen on video Joe Biden bragged about, in fact, firing the prosecutor in Ukraine that was investigating his son's corrupt energy company. And he wasn't going to give them our tax dollars, our foreign aid, unless the Ukrainian president fired the prosecutor. And that's what Devin Archer said that those guys were pressuring Hunter to do. Call Washington. Get this Shokin fired. I mean, the, this was a bombshell today. Uh, this is more evidence that points directly to Joe Biden. I mean, the amount, the number of crimes that the Biden family's committed continues to grow. And more and more evidence shows that Joe Biden knew exactly what was going on. That's wild about Shokin. And, and Devin Archer said that out loud. Hey, <laughs> That Goldman guy, Congressman, he looks spooked. 
he looked nervous, and yeah. you were in the room. Like, yeah. are these guys recognizing that this is beyond their control now? That that the stuff that Biden apparently yeah. has been doing, I mean, obviously you've been doing, it's metastasized, and 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 this is gonna, <laughs> this is real. It's not it's not fake news. It's not a yeah. conspiracy theory. Yeah, the walls are closing in on the Bidens, and the the. Democrats on the Oversight Committee continue to move the goalposts. The goalposts are so far off the football field, they're almost in the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean right now. <laughs> the the goalposts have moved so far on what this original narrative was that Joe Biden never had any knowledge of what his family did. Uh, we're going to continue to bring more associates in. We're going to continue to publish more bank records, and we're going to continue to move forward. And I think the evidence will continue to mount. This is a snowball. It's rolling downhill. It's not going to stop. I mean, how can a guy like this stay in office? So you heard Speaker McCarthy. He's talking about impeachment, possibly bribery. If this is mm -hmm. bribery, that's in the Constitution. I mean, do you think he's going to get impeached? Should he be impeached? Well, I know how I would vote. But again, that's a decision for Speaker McCarthy. But I'll tell you this, right before I came on the show, Speaker McCarthy called me and I gave him a uh, rundown of what was said today. And we talked about steps moving forward. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. All right, Chairman Comer, we appreciate it so much. Fascinating stuff, and uh, you're all over it, you and the committee. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We'll be right back. Thank you. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. So does this look like a guy who's running for president right now? That's Joe Biden at the beach. Right now, he's there all week. What kind of person is this running for president, running for re-election? It is a disgrace. And a lot of us actually think that he will not be the nominee. Democrats have to know that this guy is a, is a big problem. And, you know, Donald Trump is not convinced he's going to be his opponent. Uh, he had a special poll done, like kind of impromptu poll at the rally this weekend. Who thinks he's going to be the candidate? So, ready? Are we going to be running against Joe Biden or somebody else, okay? Who do you think? I mean, just out of care. Okay, ready? Biden first. Are we going to be running against Biden? Are we going to be running against somebody else? Yeah, a lot of people feel that. Yeah, most of the people there. I feel that way as well. I don't think Biden's going to make it. They're going to nominate Michelle Obama. Barack Obama is essentially running the country right now. Uh, there's a lot to this. Uh, it's believed that she could raise about $100 million in a weekend, that she would be the superstar the Democrats would need. I don't like her, but I hear that this could happen. Uh, forget Chicago, by the way. You know, these two, they dedicated their lives to uh, fixing Chicago. No, they just exploited it for their own purposes. This weekend, 47 people shot, five fate fatalities. It's crazy. And uh, this is a guy who went there to the whole promise of Barack Obama was that he was going to be able to say things that, quite frankly, um, white people couldn't about communities of color. And it was a mm, it's one of the reasons why people fell in love with him. He was going to say the quiet part out loud because he could. Moments like this. Go into any inner city neighborhood and folks will tell you that government alone 
can't teach our kids to learn. They know that parents have to teach, that children can't achieve unless we raise their expectations and turn off the television sets and eradicate the slander that says a black youth with a book is acting white. They know those things. Did you hear that? What was the quote again? I couldn't say this because I didn't know it was true. Eradicate the slander that says a black youth with a book is acting white. I did not know that was such a there was such a thing that that was a thing in uh, in certain communities. Barack Obama said he would eradicate that work to eradicate it. He mentioned it twice during his presidency. Very, very cautiously, gingerly. Here's one of those times. African-Americans in communities where I've worked, there's been notion of acting white, which sometimes is overstated. If boys are reading too much, then, well, why are you doing that? Or why, why, are, you, uh, why are you speaking so properly? I did not know this was a problem. Apparently it is or was. Actually, can't, it can't have been fixed because nobody did anything about it after these comments. The notion that there's some authentic way of being black, that if you're, if you're going to be black, you have to act a certain way and wear a certain kind of clothes, that, you know, that has to go. So Obama may be projecting a little bit here because he had his own inner conflict with being white or black or both or whatever. Am I black enough? Am I white enough? He talks about this in his many memoirs. Um, but he was, he was kind of conning people, right? I'm going to talk in a blunt way about race that only somebody like me, Barack Obama, can, uh, like this moment. Teaching our daughters to never allow images on television to tell them what they're worth. Teaching our sons to treat women with respect and to realize responsibility does not end at conception. That what makes them a man is not the ability to have a child but to raise one. That's a message we need to send. All right. Love it. But he didn't send it. The left got mad at him. He said, don't talk like that. We don't want to hear that. And he started to feel, gosh, maybe... They're not going to see me as authentically black anymore. So I'm going to give that up and I'm going to play the race card. I'm going to play the victim card and I'm going to fuel racial division. That's what he did. And you can see it post-presidency all the time. Black, black, this is so rap. Lyrics dripping all the things like all these snaps that these brothers think to me like a fat rap. Truthfully, I'm contemplating making OnlyFans. My OnlyFans will probably look at me like, are you crazy, man? But I'm just trying to make some mans and maybe help my mama see Jamaica, man. Talk to Papa T like, see you later, man. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it was something about OnlyFans there, a sexual connotation, like a lot of rap. And uh, he's right there clapping and being cool. That's all it is with Obama, just being cool. Look at me shooting hoops. I'm going to drop by for five minutes and then it's back on the private jet. I am so cool. That's always the message. Now, he's sensitive, though. He's sensitive to the idea that he's going to forget the hood. So every now and then he's got to go back and make it appear like he cares. So he shows up and he bores the hell out of these kids. These are great guys. And you can tell they are not digging Barack Obama.
the, when we came here, uh, th three of the guys here right. I shared with them was, and, and I think this surprised some of the, the guys. violence and drugs and, and some of the issues Ruggles that I was going through were similar. And I think that, oh. uh, um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, one of the things we all, boys and young men of color, many of whom grow up without fathers, don't have as many resources around them. Uh, he is definitely not connecting. You know, these are the kinds of pressures I'm dealing with. That's something and, that I went through also. You know, I, I'm struggling with this too. I, you know, this is something I'm confused about. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> right there. This guy, they, 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 they can spot a phony, all right? They can totally spot a phony. How many houses does he have, huh? Number one, Martha's Vineyard. Uh, where's the other one? There's a, a Washington, the Chicago. There's one in Washington. And he's got a new mansion in Hawaii. And he has a private jet to get to all these amazing locations. And I'm hearing a billion dollars in the bank. So his legacy, well, it's been good for Barack Obama. But for the rest of the country, this passes for commentary. Black people literally feel attacked. There's a ban on black. Uh, a ban on blackness happening. It's targeted. It's well-funded. Uh, it's organized and it's orchestrated. And what we are saying as the Congressional Black Caucus is that we're not going back. We're not going to be silenced. We're going to call out those who are uh, promoting this division in our country uh, from the Supreme Court to state legislatures. The Supreme Court, state legislatures, that is not the threat. That is not the existential threat, especially to communities of color. Going back to Barack Obama, he bravely said in 2008, the big problem, too many fathers in the black community going MIA, going AWOL, not being there for their families. We'll be right back. It's true. I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. <laughs> I still can't get over it. There he is at the beach, at the beach, uh, loafing, loafing. I mean, if we were at the White House, I guess he could be doing more damage to the country, but it's just not a good look. It's not uh, the average American worker, we said earlier, gets 11 days off per year. Joe Biden so far this year has had 88 days off. Totally crazy. Steve Moore, former Trump senior economic advisor, the great economist. Uh, I've never heard of a uh, high-powered executive taking so much time off. He is the most high-powered executive there is, Steve Moore. Uh, it's kind of ludicrous, isn't it? 88 days. Wow. I think most Americans would love to have an 88-day vacation. Uh, you know, it's interesting, Greg. I spent the weekend with Donald Trump. Uh, as you know, he uh, was speaking uh, in Iowa at the uh, at the big convention there, and then he went to Erie, Pennsylvania. And that guy, like, works 16, 18 hours a day. I mean, it's unbelievable, his work ethic. And he's working six, seven days a week. Um, and so it's quite a contrast. Uh, between, and, and, you know, Trump just doesn't stop uh, because he cares so much about this country. Look, I don't have a problem with the president taking some vacation time, but boy, that's a lot of time off. A lot of time off. It, 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 like, you know, the American economy, I don't know, it should have some sort of worker in the White House. Hey, they say Bidenomics is doing great. Uh, just ask them. 
guess what? Bidenomics is working. And folks, it's no accident. That's Bidenomics in action. Bidenomics is just another way of saying restore the American dream. It's my economic plan in action. It's Bidenomics. Bidenomics. You know, Reaganomics was actually... Democrats came up and it was a slur, right? I mean, they didn't like Reagan's policy, yeah. so they came up with Reaganomics. I don't think they know that in calling this Bidenomics because it has a negative. What is Bidenomics to you? Well, let me just go back to Reaganomics because Ronald Reagan made a statement in 19, late 1983 when the economy really started to boom under the Reagan policies. We had one of the greatest seven-year booms in American history. Reagan famously said, you know, ever since the economy started booming, they don't call it Reaganomics anymore. Um, and so that was kind of a, a term of derision. But in terms of Biden's policies, if he wants to take quote, credit for this economy, it's all yours, Joe. I mean, we've got the average family has lost $5,000 in purchasing power. Uh, so every month that uh, Biden has been president, American workers and the average have become poor. We've added $6 trillion to the debt. We have a border that's out of control. We're becoming more and more dependent every day on foreign oil and gas. I mean, tell me something that's going right. And the American people know that. We have poll after poll. Uh, we can put full screen one. Uh, words that come to mind. The economy is struggling or uncertain. Uh, Binomics means higher inflation, tax increases. Um, let's see here. Biden approval rating on the economy yep. has plummeted over the past two years. This is something I think they just came up with in the press office. No serious thought behind it. Yeah. You know, the uh, it's interesting because uh, I mentioned, you know, meeting with Trump. And I showed him this chart that during her, his presidency, you know, the on average, 60 to 65 percent of Americans rated the economy as good or, good or great when he was president. Today, the percentage of Americans who rate the economy as good or, good or great are, is like 25 to 30 percent. So half as large. And, and that's because the, there's a middle class squeeze, Greg, going on in this country right now. The middle class cannot keep up with the high inflation, credit card debt. Uh, has now surpassed a trillion dollars for the first time. So how are Americans uh, maintaining their living standards? They're doing what the federal government is doing. They're going further and further into debt. This is not a sturdy economy right now, and the Americans know that. Hey, you were at uh, uh, Iowa for the speech, and you were hanging with President Trump. Uh, what else did he say? What else happened? What else did you see? Well, you know, I have to say, I thought Trump did a fantastic job. Look out for Vivek. Uh, Ramaswamy gave a great speech out there. Uh, people really, um, a lot of people came up to me afterwards and said, I, I like Vivek a lot. Um, but Trump has a commanding lead right now. He is going to be the nominee, in my opinion. And, you know, the more the left attacks him with these, you know, crazy indictments, the more his approval ratings have gone up. I don't know if you've noticed that, Greg, but these furious claims, you know, I, I happen to think they're investigating the wrong president right now. Yeah, totally. Stephen Moore? Secretary of Treasury in the second Trump administration, would you be interested? <laughs> yeah. Don't let that it's hard. So important. I, I think it could happen. Yeah, really, truly, it's so important. It's so important that we get Joe Biden out of office and restore whether it's whether it's Donald Trump or any of these Republicans would be infinitely better than this president. We, the economy should be booming. Every and that's the last thing I asked Donald Trump. What's the first thing you would do? He said, "I'm going to have a stack of." of uh, executive orders, and we're going to repeal just about everything that Joe Biden has done. Love it. Steve Moore, we appreciate it very much. Thank you, and we'll be right back.
So Facebook would get a call from the Biden administration. Hey, somebody just tweeted something or Facebook something we don't like uh, about COVID. Take it down. And they would. Uh, the Biden administration said jump. Facebook said how high and crazy people, ordinary people with valid things to say about COVID were getting deplatformed or they were rigging the algorithms to lower the content in your feed. Um, Democrats have been angry, though, at Facebook for a lot of other reasons, namely 2016. Your private data was likely used to help Trump get elected, and Facebook did pretty much nothing to stop it from happening. But is anyone really surprised? The truth is that in the 2016 election, you know, a lot of things happened, but in some ways it was a social media election. I mean, it was the, the Trump campaign, leaving aside the accusations about uh, Russia, the Trump campaign used Facebook very successfully. Mm -hmm. 2016 will be known as the year that Twitter and Facebook helped mint a president. So one of the reasons why Facebook is so willing to uh, take down content if the Biden administration asks for it, because they feel bad about 2016. And they're right. The Trump team was much better at Facebook than uh, the Clinton people. Brad Parscale was the data genius uh, who was running digital for the Trump campaign. And nobody knows Facebook like this guy. In the primary season, what was the strategy on Facebook and how did it kind of shift going into Shock and awe. Shock and awe. How yeah. so? What's that mean? Which means is uh, put Mr. Trump's message, let him speak directly to camera, and give it to as many people as possible. And why was Facebook the ideal medium for that? Low cost CPM, large numbers of conservative vo voters, ability to broadcast all day, multiple times to the same audience, and the numbers were showing in the consumer side that people were spending more and more hours of their day consuming Facebook content and, and aggregated uh, newsfeed. So uh, the Clintons had nobody as smart as this guy, and it's one of the reasons why Trump won. Uh, Facebook itself, they couldn't stand it because Zuckerberg and all those tech guys, they loved Obama, totally loved the guy. Look, they're going on a, on a bros weekend together, and they couldn't stand Trump. You see that? I do not like being in the room with this man. Anyway, just keep that in mind uh, in the current debate about big tech. They're still mad about 2016. We'll be right back. No blind rhetoric. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. Thanks very much. We'll see you tomorrow.